mi gente! And welcome back to Salita Stories and Casita Chronicles. This is Bianca. Hey, y'all. And this is Hasneen. And today we're back with another episode. And today we're excited because we have a guest on that has been highly requested by many people whenever we do the guess who's on today's podcast. Her name always comes up. Today we have Dr. Cece Suarez. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Cece so she can introduce herself. Woo! So excited to be here. Hello, Dr. Cecilia Cece Suarez, but you know, I go by Doc or Dr. Cece or Suarez. So excited to be here. I have been keeping up with all the other podcasts and was like, hoping for the day when I would be like on it, right? I was like, please let it be me this week. Please let me be on it this week. Um, and so I'm super excited to be here and to just be really honest and open about things that are important to me. They may be important to you. They may not, but hopefully it provides everybody with the, some good feelings for the day. So we've been in quarantine kind of off and on. What have you been up to? Well, lots of things. I've been working every day because I love my paycheck. So I work every day, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and even later. And I also have been trying to find new ways of like recentering myself in particular, like trying not to be so overwhelmed with social media, but also finding new loves. Like I freaking love Zumba and I didn't know that I love Zumba as much as I did now in quarantine. But one of the good things is that I've been able to visit my family, which is nice because I can take my work with me. So I've been home in Texas for a few weeks and took vacation so I can come see my family. And that's been awesome because, of course, like the food has been great. I'm not cooking for myself. I can hang out and relax and just be around my family. So that's been awesome. It's also been interesting to have flashbacks of being a teenager again because I'm in my mom's house. And she's like, hey, when are you going to sweep the porch or like wash the dishes? And she'll tell me this like in the middle of my Zoom meetings. So like she walks in the back and she's like, Mija, I need you to go sweep the porch. And I'm like, I'm advising a master's student right now. <laughs> so that's been interesting because she's like, well, you've been on the computer all day. So I don't know when you're going to do your chores, but you need to do your chores. It's funny to also have chores. It keeps me humble because it doesn't matter to my mom if I have one degree, two degrees, three degrees. He's like, you need to do these chores. So <laughs> that's been, that's been um, like super funny, a little bit challenging to be very honest being home, but it's all love. I am thankful that there isn't Misa in person, like church in person, because if there was, I'd be at church with my mom <laughs> because it's required. <laughs> and even though I'm super grown, or I'd like to think I'm super duper grown, my mom like, does not care. She's like, you are coming to church and you are sitting right here next to me and kneeling down when you need to know down and all that stuff. My mom's Catholic. So there isn't real, real time church in person, but there's still like prayers to be said and like graves to go visit and say rosaries at. So that's, that's been interesting, particularly because I no longer, I'm, I'm a Catholic. I no longer practice Catholicism. Uh, I am not religious at all. I'm very spiritual, but do not claim a specific religious practice. So that's always challenging for my mom to be reminded of, especially when I'm in the space. Pretty hilarious, but also a little challenging. Latina moms are something else. They will remind <laughs> you who you came out of on a quick. But I think it's very interesting that you talk about this 
spirituality, but also I think that a lot of times we think of Latinidad and Catholicism or Christianity being very intertwined because a lot of times it kind of comes with our culture. So I remember I went to a predominantly Mexican high school and everybody was doing their confirmation at the same time and nobody questioned what is this? What does it mean? It was just like, oh, cool. Are you going to be in the confirmation class? Dope. I'll see you then, you know, or even in middle school when everybody was doing their primera comunión, it was almost like a rite of passage. And so now I think as we get older to really think a little bit critically of how much did that play into kind of our development as people, but then also kind of combining it with our development within our Latinx identity. Yeah, absolutely. I I think about it a lot, especially because I I still, you know, believe in keeping my grand like keeping an altar in my house. Even when it's not Dia de los Muertos, right? <laughs> I keep it year round. And for me I do that because like that rem- that keeps me close to my family members, that keeps keeps their like memories alive, but it also makes me feel like they are also looking out for me, right? And protecting me in ways that like I don't even even understand at times that is always something that i know when that time comes around right there's like usually misas or church or different prayers and i don't necessarily do any of those specific catholic things i do what makes sense to me but it's interesting because i grew up super duper catholic two weeks after i was born i was baptized so like two weeks right? They, they pierced my ears and then I had baptism because, you know, I have to have earrings for the pictures, duh. You know, it was funny because I was like, even before they knew what doctor assigned gender I would be, right? Like we all know that an assigned gender, well, I, I would like to share, right? That not all genders that are assigned at birth are the actual genders that people are. And so when I was born, they thought that I was going to be identified as a boy and I was born a, a girl. And so they didn't have a name for me when I was first born, but they knew that I would be Catholic or they knew that I was going to be baptized Catholic even before I had a name. So I always joked that like, they knew I was Catholic way before anything else about me. Then I was baptized two weeks after I was born and I was in the church all the time. My grandmother was a Eucharistic minister. She was like a Guadalupana. So for those who are in the Catholic church like who attend Spanish mass know like Guadalupanas are like Latina old ladies who like help clean the church and like help create celebrations around the church or at least in my, in my hometown my grandma would put me in the little stroller and go to her meeting so i'd be at the church literally wednesday through sunday when i was little so i look back and and i wonder if my mom's like dang we did all this work and like now not, you're not even catholic we're like what happened and i also went to private catholic school all the way up until i graduated high school that's also like a unique thing for me but i would never want to change how i was educated and how i was brought up in the church because i look back and know that it was like this wonderful chaos of mixture of like being raised by two strong Latina women who showed me like the values and instilled me the values of being a good person, right? Of of being loving to all and for all, but then also there has to have been something that my schooling helped me understand. And I always think about that. I'm like, if I went to public school or if I didn't have so much focus on religion, what would my life look like? And I I couldn't tell you what it would look like because I only know my life, but there were definitely people that I met along the way who have shaped who I am today. And in particular, it 
I, it also like afforded me the opportunity to make mistakes and know that like, ah, uh, it's okay. Right. Like I can make mistakes, but of course in the Catholic religion, right. Like you go to, you go tell your, your quote unquote sins to the priest and then he absolves you and you say the rosarios, right. Like two or three or whatever it was, how, however bad your sin was. And I'm putting in quotes, everybody. So if you're listening, I'm putting like quotes around sins and all this other stuff. But I think it gave me the opportunity to, to just like experience life as this kid who could fall back on, okay, if I feel uncomfortable, or if I feel unsafe, I can go back to like the, this church community, or I can go back to saying a prayer if I feel scared. And I think that's what has really shaped who I am today. Because now, even though I don't say specific prayers that are assigned to a religion, I find myself utilizing practices that remind me of that like safety component that praying helped me feel or going to church, which is routine, helped me feel. So I've definitely been, been a lot of places and it was challenging for me to, to tell my, my mom that I was no longer Catholic, but I think she still sees me practicing a lot of different elements and it makes her feel better that I'm not lost because she sees me still doing things that she instilled in me, which she identifies as like me being a good person, right? If I do the things she taught me, then that, then I'm still a good person. So I think for her, that was the biggest thing is she never, I'm her only kid. So she never had another kid not be religious and then tell her, oh, I, I don't know what I want to be, but I don't want to be religious. And I think for a parent that might've made her feel concerned that I would be quote unquote lost, especially without a religion. But now hopefully she thinks I'm pretty cool and she gives me chores to do. So I feel like that's pretty normal. <laughs> well, and you were raised in San Antonio, which San Antonio itself is a very kind of religious city. I always heard about Fiesta, which from what I understand, Fiesta is like a month-long Fiesta that's also kind of ingrained with the church as well. So how did how do you think that even growing up in San Antonio impacted kind of your mom's wanting to integrate religion into your upbringing? Great questions. Yes, I was born and raised in San Antonio and Fiesta is like this huge party and has tons of food and there's like night in San Antonio where there's like lots of beer, lots of fun, lots of games. There's big parades and all the high schools march in the parades. There's churches who sell seats and it's a big fundraiser for parades. There's also these medals that you can get. And so say for instance, University of Texas, Austin is, per is performing, then you can get a University of Texas medal. And the idea is that like you show off all your medals on your sleeve. So it's super fun. And yes, there is a huge element connected to the church and to just religion in general. And what's interesting now that I think about it is that there's a lot of stuff that definitely is embedded into the way of life in San Antonio that no one questions for the most part, because it's assumed that everyone is like Catholic, right? Or everyone is Christian or everyone understands the connection. But I don't ever remember being taught in school that like, oh, the practice of fiesta is connected to our religion because of X, Y, and Z. There are like special church services and special masses that are put together to celebrate fiesta and celebrate people's safety and celebrate like the culture. So it's just like you said, it's not really named, but it's just, it's just embedded. Um, and then if you add the element of Dia de los Muertos or when for those who celebrate Christmas, when Christmas comes around, like all those things you can also see all over the city. 
and no one is saying, or very few people are saying, oh, let's do three different styles of decorations because not everybody will, will celebrate Christmas or Navidad or Dia de los Muertos. Like, if you are in San Antonio during, during the time of Dia de los Muertos in the fall, it is assumed that everybody is doing that. Just like in Easter time, when it's Ash Wednesday and you're supposed to get the like ashes on the, of the cross, like on your forehead, like it is assumed that everybody will do that. And so if you are the one or few people who don't have the cross, people will stop you and say, oh, if you're still looking for ashes, St. Anthony's is doing a evening mass or you can just walk in and get them. You don't even have to go to Misa. So <laughs> it's stuff like that that I totally miss about San Antonio because it is so inclusive in terms of they want everybody to feel connected to the celebration, but it also is a little overwhelming because if you don't specifically celebrate the religious aspect of that, but more so the spiritual or cultural aspect, then you sort of feel out of place. I remember feeling like people were judging me when I would come home because I was like, oh, I don't want to go to church, but I will do something with the family. And so I often wondered if like that was, that's what made me feel like an outsider sometimes. I think it's, it goes both ways. Like it's super celebratory and I, I wouldn't give it up for anything, especially like being from San Antonio. But I do acknowledge that it feels like a one size fits all, right? Everybody is assumed that if you speak Spanish, you're Mexican or of like Mexican ethnicity. And if you're brown, you're Mexican or of Mexican ethnicity and that you are Catholic if you look brown, you know, at any level. Yeah, I, um, I, think, I think that's yeah. so interesting too because for the little background, I, me, like me and my brothers, we weren't really raised with much. Like we, my parents didn't make us go to church or anything, but my grandma's really on my dad's side, like Catholic. Period. You know, like they're they're about it. The time that I remember going to church, well, I was I was baptized, but like I never had to do like the first communion none of that stuff. And like Bianca also in mockery, like a lot of you know people were, were doing it. And they're going through it. They're like, oh, I have to go. I'm like, well, why are you doing it? You know, if you don't want to do it, they're like, you don't understand. I have to. And I'm like, oh. And also with the Ash Wednesday, like people would come and at school and they'd have it. It's one of those things that when I think about like the, the time that they go to church, it was like with my mom, sometimes with my grandma or my abuela was also the one who like took me to my first like rosario that they did at someone's house. I have the candles because she used to always have like, you know, those big candles in her living room and lit. So I think for me, though I may not, you know, I don't say I am Catholic because I don't really, I don't connect with it in that way. But it's kind of the, the symbols, what they represent to me is like kind of remembering those good memories with my grandparents and like those moments when she tried to teach me prayers when we stayed at her house during the summer because I think that was her kind of way to get me in a little bit. You know, I don't really remember <laughs> them all, probably to the level she liked. But it was still like, a, it was like a moment where it was just me and her and like taking time and kind of like sitting with each other. Like to this day, I still have like rosarios that she gave me, like, you know, in my car, got some hanged up in my room. So like someone were to come and walk in, I have a candle with the beating on it. They may think that, you know, I'm Catholic, but for me, it's very much it was like it's familiar in the way that mm -hmm. it was, it was like literally all around my um, grandma's house for my dad's mom if you go to her house it's like a shrine it's like every wall there's something hanged up I think it's also that part of like making meaning for it for myself because like when I light that candle or like something else it just helps me feel like you said a little safe kind of like back home especially when you're not you know, where most of your family is so I think that's kind of it's like taking aspects but then using it in a way that also serves you you know and like aligning it I guess with the identity that you eventually 
create for yourself as you get older and everything. So that's really interesting to hear your, your experiences too. Yeah, definitely. I think familiarity is a, plays a huge piece. I mean, you know, I think back about it and I was so Catholic. Like I can't even begin to tell you like how Catholic I was and how Catholic I was raised. Like you talk about the shrine in your family's house and like my grandma, we still have my grandma's house. She's, she's since passed a few years ago, but like, if you walk in, we still have like the, a part of a little shrine she had like in her bedroom. I was so Catholic and raised by a like super strict Catholic grandma that there was one room that she converted into like the prayer room and there were like kneelers in there. So if you missed kneeling at church, you could pass on by Senora Suarez's house to kneel in her prayer room and get some extra kneeling in. And I was just like, what is this thing? And so, you know, as a kid, it just seemed normal because everybody, literally everybody was talking about something similar. Like if their, thea, if their grandmas or tias didn't have the kneelers in their house, they had like a statue of La Virgen de Guadalupe, or they had something around that was the place that you go and you put holy water or you, you know, you touch before you leave somewhere if you need, to, if you need like special prayer support. I was so Catholic and, and it's not a bad thing. Like I, I never talk about it and think like, oh, this was bad, but it's, it's funny because I, you know, I was, I was an altar server. I was one of the first girls who was an altar server in my church. I was in the gospel choir. I was in the Spanish choir, right? Like I was all these things when I was a kid and my church was named St. Cecilia's and my name is Cecilia. So I used to get called Saint Cecilia as a joke in school and I'd be like I'm not a saint don't call me that <laughs> and people used to always be like oh you're gonna be a nun when you grow up not facts false news <laughs> totally not nun material um and so you know I always pushed back against this narrative but I still run to it really quickly when I I, I need some like support or feel disconnected um and I too still have I guess that I have my altar and it has like La Vida de Guadalupe because that was my dad's patron saint. And then my mom's patron saint or the saint she always prays through is St. Jude. So I always keep two of those candles in my house because like one represents each of my parents. I have a rosary that was my grandma's that I always keep on the, on the altar as well. And so I definitely practice things that make me feel connected to the people I love. Um, whether they are currently living or have passed and like that's important for me is to know that like whatever I'm practicing whether it be elements of of Mexican uh, culture mixed with Catholicism or portions of like just spirituality or, or meditative practices like I do what what works for me and that took me a long time to get to because when I realized that Catholicism wasn't working for me and it no longer sort of guided me in the way I needed it to, I was scared. I was in my undergraduate program at Miami, go Canes, and I, I, I was going to churches with my friends to try and find something. I was still going to Catholic church on Sunday, but I would also go to different church services with my friends trying to figure if like there was a better fit because the words that were being shared in, in the services didn't match what I was thinking or believing. I went to a lot of services, didn't find anything. And then when I went to my master's program, I was living in Ohio and I had one situation where I was in church with a friend of mine and it was a Baptist church. So I went to, to his church 
And the pastor was like, okay, bow your heads. We're going to pray for all of our gay brothers and sisters because they need healing. If not, they'll go to hell. And the person who took me to the church happened to identify as a gay man. And when I turned to look at him, I, I will never forget this. When I turned to look at him, his eyes were like shut so tight and he was praying so hard that like he would be like healed. And, and for me, and I'm not, this is not right to say that the, this podcast is swaying in any way, shape or form, whatever religion or politics. But for me, that no longer fit the message that I received growing up about what it is to be a good person, right? To, to give, give your last penny to the needy, even if it's your last penny, to love people regardless, to not be judgmental because that's like God's, that's God's decision. And none of those things fit anymore because of what I was experiencing. And so that was the last time that I questioned if I should or should not be Christian or Catholic. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I was searching and searching and I remember telling my mom that like I'm coming home and saying like, I'm not Catholic anymore. And she was like, what do you mean? You're not Catholic. You were baptized. You'll always be Catholic. And I was just like, Oh, this is going to be so hard. And I was so scared to tell her and have her tell me she was disappointed in me, but it took her a little while, right? Like we didn't really talk about it. We were quiet around the subject for a little while, but I realized that she didn't know how to handle it, right? So she was concerned that me giving up a relig my religion could mean that I'm like lost, right? Or that, that I wouldn't be a good person. And I was concerned too that I wouldn't be a good person because all I knew was that religion is positive. It makes people be good people. And then when I took a step back, I realized that I didn't necessarily believe anymore that in order for me to be a good person, that I had to be religious, that I had to go to church every Sunday. And so when I thought about that, I was getting stronger and stronger and more comfortable with being okay with saying like, I'm not, I'm not Catholic, I'm not religious. And I didn't feel lost because I still listened to what I needed. I still hung on to those cultural dynamics that are the cultural connections that come along with Latinidad or specifically with my Mexican ancestry. And, you know, it took a couple of years, but now I'm totally fine with it. I still, I realize that like, I am a good person but that I still can and do great things for the community. And if there are a thousand religions or no religions, right? Like I am practicing what for me makes me feel good, but also helps me support the community that I'm a part of. And so that has been a big thing for me. And again, it was scary, but now it's like sort of joking. My mom will say, when we talk about, we don't talk about death often. So let me just be clear. We're not morbid, but when we do happen to talk about like, plans and I'm like oh I want to be cremated my mom's like you can't be cremated I'm like why mommy she's like well you know you're not going to go to heaven you have to be put into the dirt because you know to, to dust you shall return and if you don't get put into the dirt then you can't go to heaven and then I just sort of look at her and then she's like oh yeah but you're not catholic so never mind and that's like her sly way of like jabbing it at me but not, you know, in a way that I'm like, okay, I can handle this, ma. It's small things like that, that I am thankful that I had the opportunity to choose my religion and to say, I, I don't want to be religious, but I want to provide my own spiritual path. But at the same time, I'm also thankful that I was raised in the specific religion because it helped keep me really close to my culture and allowed me a lot of shared meaning with situations in life, particularly with like my friends or church friends or my families. 
Well, and I think it's very fluid, you know, I think that it kind of comes and it goes. So I identify as culturally Catholic, which what that means to me is that different like cultural aspects of Catholicism than like having the rosary in the car. And then whenever I pass like a Catholic church, my persino, or when I get on a plane, my persino, just because it makes me feel safe. But also when I'm going through it, that's the first place that I go to, but not because of necessarily the word, but because church would be where my family and I would go most Sundays, maybe like 60% of the year, and we would just be together. And so I know usually that if I go to mass, then my parents are probably going to mass too. And so it's a way for me to feel close to them. However, also, I think recently my aunt passed away besides kind of like the actual funeral where they put her in the ground. The other times that we kind of kept coming together as a family was when you do a novenario, which what a novenario is, is that for nine days after they bury somebody, people come together and they pray the rosary. Según, like as many rosaries get prayed for you, then takes you out of purgatory, which is purgatory is kind of like this halfway point between like heaven and hell. Kind of how I think about it is like, if I get more prayers, then I'm going to get closer to heaven. So y'all, when I die, please pray for me so that I can get closer to heaven. But I think these are all things that I think about like, it's not because of the actual religious aspect. It's more because it's the family coming together. They're to kind of like pay their respects for the person. And I think just more of that culture piece to which I've kind of struggled with as well, because I challenge some of the things that are taught within the church as well. I think being a woman and somebody who is very womanist, which womanist is pretty much like feminist, but including women of color because feminists can be very exclusionary, but we can have another podcast episode about that. But really thinking about kind of the rights of women and what the Bible says and how a lot of times it's used against women when it comes to kind of like this power over them. But also I think that a lot of times it has this binary aspect of either you're the Mary Magdalene or you're the Virgin Mary, you know? And so that kind of also plays into sexuality and kind of the shaming of women in these like relationships. When I have conversations with my parents who they serve on the church, they like give out the the body and the blood of Christ during mass when there was mass in person, they I think get frustrated with me because they think of these kind of rules as so black and white whereas I think of them a lot more intersectionally and a lot more fluid. But I think that that's also how they've been taught in my critical thinking, right? Of not just accepting what's being told of me, but taking a whole bunch of different knowledge and then creating my own opinion as to what I believe. So I don't think that there is any one right way to practice being a religion, spiritual. I think that people practice in different ways that are comfortable for them. And maybe this is me being like super laissez-faire, but 
I think that that's okay. It's okay for them to choose. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the choice is an important piece, but also just the opportunity to make your practice fit who you are. We think about ourselves as individuals and we each have lots of identities that intersect and that create a lens for how we understand the world. You know, it's, it's not a one size fits all, right? And I always tell this and say one size fits all and then think about all of the clothing I've ever purchased that says one size fits all has never fit me, okay? Pants, shoes, shirts, bathing suits, whatever. It doesn't fit everybody, okay? And, I, and it doesn't fit me. So I think about that and realize that like there cannot be a one size fits all for how we connect, talk, and feel like we're guided by God, God's a higher power, you know, spirituality, the universe, whatever we go to or, or nothing, there, there's not a right or wrong way. It's a matter of how we relate to it. And so like, I don't have a name for the practice I do. And it, I think it changes depending on what I'm going through. But like Bianca, like you're saying, when you're on the plane, right, you like make the sign of the cross. Um, some people do a little prayer. Sometimes I find myself going back to that not necessarily a prayer, because even though I know I probably can remember all the prayers, especially going to Catholic school, I like have pushed them out of my mind. So I need some practice, but I probably could recite them in English and Spanish if I tried with a little bit of time. But like, if there's turbulence on the plane, I know this because I travel a lot. If there's turbulence on the plane, I will catch myself making like a little sign of the cross on my forehead with my thumb. And then, okay, right, like I let it go, but I made the sign of the cross on my forehead. And I hope that everything is okay. And then if I catch myself and I have time to think about it, I'm like, huh, that's so interesting that that is my go-to, even though I don't identify as Christian, but that is one of my things, right? To be like, okay, am I being safe, right? Am I thinking about the people that I love at this moment? Because you never know. And so that's interesting to me, but there's other things that we can do, right? There's a combination of things. And I guess I just want people to know if we're, if you're, questioning or challenging or you find like the current practice that you might be doing as challenging for you or not fitting anymore is that it is okay to ask questions to yourself about why do you not connect anymore or why do you feel weird right or uncomfortable about a certain practice in your religion because you can ask questions about things right especially right you want to critique and ask questions about things that you love it's unfortunate that lots of times it's set up as if you're asking questions and critiquing, then you don't, don't love whatever you're asking questions for. But that is actually, a, for me, a sort of an opposite reality, because if I care about something enough, I'm going to take the time to ask questions, to dissect things a little bit more. And so I just want people to take that opportunity for themselves to ask questions and identify what doesn't work for you. Like you don't have to I'm sure people would disagree with me, but you don't have to be an all or, or nothing type uh, spiritual person or religious person, right? Like you could, in fact, remix it for yourself and practice certain things, but not other things. For example, I'm thinking about like people who have children or pe people who have young siblings who are baptized in the church. Like baptism, not only uh, right, religiously uh, says that you promise the child or the child promises their path to the Lord or a higher power, but it also creates a sense of community for that child. Like there is a godparent or, you know, mentor or whatever you want to call them that looks after and helps look after that child 
not only in the event of something happens to the parents, but also just in life in general. And for me, this sometimes is the person who I'll call just to check in, or if I don't want to bother my mom with something, I'll, I'll call that person as like a life mentor. So I do acknowledge that even though there are some practices that are specific to a religion or Christianity, sometimes they do a lot more than just that sacrament, right? Like they create community or something like that. And for me, there's little things that mean a lot, like the lighting of the candles. Um, I will burn incense and, and sweep my house with sage to clean the space and, and redirect energy if I feel like something is off. I also come from a very superstitious family, but also like symbolic families. For example, like an aloe vera. For us, we have like aloe vera everywhere, the plants, and it can be used for multiple things, right? For cooking, you can make it into a tea, you can put it if you get burned on your skin. It's also used as a symbol of protections. The way I understand it and I practice or I utilize it is I keep one by an entrance of a door or in my office because it's supposed to ward off and suck up any negative energy that was meant for you when someone crosses that threshold. Usually aloe vera's are really hard to kill. And so if you have an aloe vera that has died, it usually means, right, in my family's very superstitious, super symbolic practice, that it has sucked up a negative energy that was meant for you. And so for me, I really appreciate that, right? Like, I still practice that because it makes me feel safe. And it also makes me feel connected to cultural, traditional practices that were potentially lost along the way and or had to go underground, if you will, when, when Christianity was brought to my ancestors and, and their, their cultural practices were taken away because Christianity was created or forced upon them. So I like those things. I also really appreciate being able to, when I wake up every morning, have my feet touch the ground and I like do a big stretch and I just say thank you out loud. Or like, you want to ask me who I'm saying thank you to? I don't know, or, but I'm putting it out there. To whoever was around, whoever helped me get up that day, if it was me alone, great. I'm saying thank you to me. But I just like say it out loud. So that way people or the being or the universe knows that I'm like super thankful. I know that there's like lots of other things at play. And for me to have another day is a blessing or a positive thing. I think you bring up a really good point in terms of like colonization was what brought Christianity to the Americas, but then there used to be something before that sometimes gets deemed as like part of brujeria, but also I think just bringing it back further than that, like indigeneity and kind of what did the indigenous people of the Americas that are within us, because we've talked about just kind of the mixing of the people and the cultures and the races within Latin America, you know, it's been passed down from somewhere. And so sometimes maybe it is our ancestors kind of still passing down that abuelita knowledge of this is healing, this is protection. I think it's become so part of the culture that it's just seen as something every day. But I think also do your research and find out what works for you. I mean, like, I definitely believe in karma. I believe that if I do good, then like good will come back to me. And so little things like that. But I think also one of my life goals is to read the Bible just because I don't want to be caught slipping. Right. And I do it more in like a knowledge gathering way, because I think that a lot of times you start hearing like, oh, well, I don't know, Deuteronomy 72:25 says X, Y, Z. But then people add their own bias and their own knowledge 
to whatever verse it is, but then you can look and say, actually, this is what it means to me. And you're making that phrase mean something totally different that it didn't even mean, right? Or if you look into like Buddhism or you look into Islamic cultures, then you yourself can decide what do I like from these different cultures? What do I not like? What do I want to incorporate into my life? And what don't I? Kind of like a build your own spirituality. <laughs> or even like, you know, the term like self-authorship, where you kind of mm-hmm. incorporate and integrate different things just from living and experiencing life. And this could be, you know, religion, but also just like ideologies, beliefs, values that you hold that could pull from you know, if you want to, like the way you grew up, but also when you learn to meet new people from diverse backgrounds, diverse ideas, and kind of create something that lets you be authentic to you, you know, a system of, of beliefs, I guess you could say that helps you in your journey, but ultimately it is yours. And it, it's kind of that confidence in knowing that internal identity that you have it, because that's going to then be something that's going to lead, you know, your decisions in life, the way that you think about different things as well, as you navigate this crazy thing that we call the world especially nowadays especially when students come to college it may be the first time that they're really going away from home being separated from those strong influences and then kind of experiencing different things so yeah for sure the takeaway is just be open see what's out there and do what feels good for you and with that i would like to thank cc once again it's always a joy and a pleasure to be able to talk with you And thanks for, you know, taking the time to come and have a little chat with me and Bianca today. We appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. I'm so thankful to be here in this space. I'm all about chatting it up. And I just appreciate the space to be able to be who I am 100%. So thank you so much. And with that, we're going to go ahead and close it out. Thanks for coming, everybody. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye.